following production is brought to you by Derek Lamont Enterprises, a subsidiary of LBM Entertainment, exclusively licensed for use on Patreon.com. Enjoy the show. This week's episodes are sponsored by Unscripted Roasters, a black, veteran, and woman-owned coffee bean roasting company. For more information, please go to Instagram.com slash Unscripted Barista. Hello, good afternoon, good morning. My name is Derek Lamont Jackson. Welcome to The Week in Gaming. Of course, you're getting early access to this on Patreon.com slash Derek Lamont Experience. Uh, to get to the early access, yeah, those episodes drop at two in the afternoon on Saturdays on the All or Nonsense, excuse me, podcast network, and on YouTube. The episodes drop on Monday mornings at nine a.m. To get early access, of course, you do need to subscribe to uh, Patreon.com/slash Derek Lamont Experience. Uh, we will not, you will not only get the week in gaming, you will get early access to Grapple Rap, my wrestling show, and exclusive audio content for other things that I have going on. Stuff that will not appear on the All or Nonsense podcast network, but of course. Again, this is The Week in Gaming. Uh, I'm going to start off with an article from TheVerge.com. This is very, very cool. I haven't done it yet. I plan on doing it probably after I get done recording and editing this. But a new Xbox update is available. Let's you pin quick resume games and remap the share button. Uh, the March Xbox dashboard update is here. Um, I don't know what else it does, but it does, you know, do this. Uh, Microsoft is rolling out a new Xbox dashboard update that includes quick resume improvements, Xbox share button remapping, and a new audio wizard, which is awesome. Uh, the March Xbox dashboard update now includes the ability to pin games to quick resume, so Xbox Series S and X owners can ensure up to two games will never drop out of the quick resume feature. That is awesome. Pin games will only disappear from quick resume if they're manly, manually removed or there's an update to the game. Quick resume can support multiple games otherwise, and typically games only fall out of the ability to resume instantly when you've launched more than ten. This can vary depending on how big each game is. Um, I am a major hockey fan, so I'm playing a lot of NHL 22 right now. So that's mainly the one that's quick resume. I need to finish a lot of other games, Guardians of the Galaxy and some other stuff. But I do love the quick resume uh, feature. The article goes on to say Microsoft is also making it much easier to fully customize the share button on the Xbox Series S and X controllers. The Xbox share button has been limited to creating screenshots or game clips, and now you'll be able to able to map it to, I'm sorry, you'll be able to map it to lots of Xbox feature, Xbox features including, I don't know why I'm all tongue-tied, excuse me, you'll now be able to map it to lots of Xbox features including controlling the TV volume, accessing search, or switching on night mode. Eh. Microsoft has been testing this change over the past month and the Xbox Elite Series 2 controller, Xbox adaptive controller, and some other devices also have some newly supported actions too. You can remap the share button within the Xbox Accessories app, and a new controller firmware update is also being released with this Xbox dashboard update and includes performance improvements and fixes. Uh, lastly, the dashboard now has the audio setup wizard for HDMI devices. This allows you to test that HDMI audio formats are working correctly with an AV setup. The new audio setup wizard is available on Xbox One and Xbox Series X and S consoles. Um, I don't know, maybe I haven't gotten the update yet I'm, uh, because it hasn't asked me to update my controller, any of them. Um, I guess I'll have to check after I get done, you know, recording this and editing and things like that. But uh, some cool features, I guess. I don't really need to remap the share button. I like it actually where it is right there in the middle of the controller uh, to save the screenshots and video clips and stuff like that. I post a lot of stuff on the All Our Nonsense uh, Instagram page and stuff like that. Or I'm going to start posting more, I apologize. But... Yeah, I think the, the share button's perfectly fine where it is. I don't see a need to remap it or anything like that. But if you want to, you now have the ability to, so I guess there's that. 
Next update comes from GameRant.com. Leaker provides update on Grand Theft Auto 6 development progress and release date. This should be good for you GTA fans. I just jumped back into GTA 5, the expanded enhanced edition on my PlayStation 5. Uh, I'm going to talk a little, about, a little bit about that in a bit. I uh, hope you guys are enjoying as well. Anyway, a Rockstar game leaker provides a potential update on Grand Theft Auto 6's development progress in the game's release window. Rockstar Games has been supporting Grand Theft Auto 5 for nearly a decade at this point, and it is in fact set to bring GTA 5 and its online multiplayer component Grand Theft Auto Online to new consoles come March 15th. Obviously, this has already happened. Um, excuse me, Rockstar Games fans have been growing impatient to learn about the next game in the iconic franchise, and so that's why there was quite a bit of excitement when it was finally confirmed that Grand Theft Auto 6 is an active active development, which we knew we knew that to a certain extent it was. We just didn't know how far along in development that they actually were. With one of the Hauser brothers actually leaving the studio, I believe it was while we were in quarantine, or maybe it would have been about April last year or something like that. I do remember it was around the spring. Um, but yeah, all the leaks about maps and stuff like that, it's like, don't believe anything until you actually see it. Uh, there was the Red Dead 2 map leak, and I don't... I think that it was pretty close to the final map in game but i don't remember exactly rockstar is airtight about that stuff now keep that in mind they're a lot bigger than when they put out gta 3 and vice city and san andreas and stuff like that and each time they made more money and got more successful security and things like that around their games and development got much tighter so keep that in mind uh Rockstar Games didn't reveal much about Grand Theft Auto 6 beyond the fact that it was in development, but previous leaks have potentially helped fill in the gaps. Reliable leakers have made all kinds of claims about the game, saying that Grand Theft Auto 6 will be set in Vice City and will likely have two protagonists, one female, one male. Others have com commented on Rockstar's plans for the Grand Theft Auto 6 online mode, saying that it will have an evolving map uh, akin to what we've seen in Fortnite. Uh, I guess that's interesting. I don't really know if it's necessary, but it's interesting, I guess. The latest rumors surrounding the game have to do with its development progress and roughly when fans will actually get to play it. Leaker Chris Clipple, who has accurately leaked Rockstar Games news in the past, believes that there's a chance Grand Theft Auto 6 could have its proper reveal by the end of the year as the game's development is progressing well. However, that doesn't mean fans should expect to play the game anytime soon. Yes, grain of salt. End of the year, holiday season, you know what that means, the Game Awards. Um, so, it could appear on Jeff Keighley's stage, I don't know, it'd be very, very interesting. Um, Kipple believes that Grand Theft Auto 6 release date won't be until sometime at the end of 2024, even with the game supposedly progressing well behind the scenes. So, well, well sorry, while it might, uh, may still be, uh, sometime before Grand Theft Auto fans get to play the next game in the beloved franchise, at least there is some light at the end of the tunnel, and they have a general idea of when they may expect to hear more about it. Of course, it's always possible that various Grand Theft Auto 6 leaks and rumors could be false, even ones stemming from reliable sources. Like with any video game leak rumor, it's best the fans take the information about GTA 6 with a massive grain of salt until Rockstar Games itself decides to divulge more information. Again, it remains to be seen when fans will get to learn more about Grand Theft Auto 6, but they can check out next-gen versions of GTA 5 on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series S, and X as well. I don't think that there's a PC version. Um... I would imagine, though, because if you're playing on PC and you have a really, really high-grade kit, and you can pretty much max it out either way, so you should have had uh, some of this stuff already. As a matter of fact, I've seen some really good versions of it running on PC already, so I'm pretty sure they're already um, up to bat with that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I, I wish that the game was 
here by now. I, it, Grand Theft Auto Five came out in 2013. It'll be 10 years next year. That's insane. Um, you know, I know that obviously they had to work on Red Dead Two, which came out ooh, five years after. Yeah, it didn't come out till the fall of 2018. So it was five years before they launched their next big IP, or not launched their next big IP, but rolled out the next game in another big IP, which would be Red Dead Redemption. But um, the thing I've said, I'll keep saying this, and I'll say this to my dying day, you guys keep talking about, oh, we want GTA 5, I mean, GTA 6, we want GTA 6. You, if you keep playing GTA Online, that just gives them no reason to give you the next game in the series. Now, cool thing is, we know that it's coming now, but it's it's 2022, guys. Keep in mind, again, it'll be 10 years next year since the game launched. Uh, Grand Theft Auto V is now on its third console generation. It was the PS3, Xbox 360, then the PS4, Xbox One. Now it's on the PS5 and Xbox Series S and X. That, this game has gone through three different console generations. That doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. So, I don't know. I don't know if you guys are going to slow down on playing GTA V. It's your prerogative, whatever, whatever. But... At the same time, you just don't complain about the fact that we're not getting GTA 6 because you keep pumping money into... They're not going to stop. If you keep put pumping money into the game, they're not going to stop iterating on it. That's the main point here. So, I don't know. Um, speaking of games that... Uh, or, or <laughs> I guess this one's in limbo now. Looks like Perfect Dark has lost his game director. Dan Nurberger is the initiative's second major design departure in a year, according to LinkedIn. Perfect Dark's game director appears to have quit Xbox developer The Initiative. According to his LinkedIn profile, as spotted by Xbox Sleuth Clobril, Dan Newber uh, Newberger left the California-based studio last month. His profile page currently flags that he's working for some he's looking for work elsewhere in design or director roles. Newberger had worked at The Initiative for nearly four years and was previously a game director on the Tomb Raider series at Crystal Dynamics, the same studio which is now collaborating on Perfect Dark. I love the updated Tomb Raider, by the way. Just want to put that out there. Uh, the Perfect Dark Director's exit marks at least the second major design uh, departure on the project in the past 12 months, potentially more than a year ahead of the reboot's expected release. In February 2021, Perfect Dark's design director, Drew Murray, announced he had left the initiative to rejoin his former employer, Insomniac Games. Murray cited personal reasons for his decision to leave. Murray and Newberger leave behind a veteran team of creatives established in 2018. The initiative is led by Daryl Gallagher, the former Activision development boss and head of Crystal Dynamics, developer of the Tomb Raider series again. Since Perfect Dark's announcement in December 2020, the biggest news regarding the reboot has been that Marvel's Avengers and Tomb Raider developer Crystal Dynamics has been hired to help develop the project. Um... In a statement last year, the initiative said, Perfect Dark Update, we are partnering with Crystal Dynamics, the world-class team behind the character-driven games such as Tomb Raider to bring this first-person spot thriller to a new generation. The teams couldn't pass up a chance to work together. We're still early in development, but incredibly excited to use this unique opportunity to deliver on the vision for Perfect Dark. Um, it was recently claimed that Perfect Dark gameplay could finally be shown at Microsoft E3 2022 showcase in June. Um, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't see that happening at this point. And there's a lot more going on with this game. This also comes from VideoGamesChronicle.com. Um, number one, the initiative when Microsoft set out to, um, to start that studio was billed as a, not a triple A studio, but a quadruple A studio. 
So this doesn't exactly bode well. Let me just put that out there. So the Video Game Chronicle actually has another article concerning this situation. Insiders described Fast and Furious exit from Xbox Perfect Dark Studio. As much of half of the core development team have quit in the past year, initiative management says it's confident in this team. Um, whew, Xbox the Initiative Studio has seen a Fast and Furious wave of senior departures in the past 12 months, VGC has learned. As much as half of the core development team known to be working on the per upcoming Perfect Dark reboot quit the company during the last year, or around 36 people, analysis of employee LinkedIn profiles have revealed. This is insane. That includes most of the Initiative's senior design team, including game director Dan Newberg, design director Drew Murray, lead level designer Chris O'Neill, principal world bender jo Joylin Myers, two senior system designers, a group of three former God of War designers, and more. That is insane. Number one, the talent that I just read off in that paragraph, that's a lot of talent. Like, you have three former God of War designers. If they worked on God of War 2018, they've clearly got some clout in the game. Newberger uh, came from Insomniac, Drew Murray, uh, Chris O'Neill. These are very, very talented people within the gaming world, and this is insane. The turnover of, ta of top talent doesn't end the design. Perfect Dark's two most senior writers also recently quit. Analysis shows, along with the project's technical director, tech art director, lead gameplay engineer, lead animator, QA lead, and more. According to LinkedIn, the initiative is now less than 50 people when duplicates former employees, and erroneous listings are removed and currently has just three roles advertised on its website. Analysis suggests it hired around 12 people in the past 12 months. Uh, the timing of the departures, departures coincides with the September 20, 2021 announcement that Crystal Dynamics has been signed to co-develop Perfect Dark. Number one, I want to stop right here and say, um, I, I don't know. I'm not big on first-person games like i have to wear my glasses when i play them or it gives me a crazy fucking headache um i get it because of the history of perfect dark but i'm not exactly crazy about it um again the timing of the departures coincides with the september 2021 announcement that crystal dynamics had been signed to co-develop perfect dark this combined with the few jobs current job roles currently advertised at the initiative suggests that tomb raider developer is likely taking a much stronger lead than first thought on the project well, that makes a lot of sense. Interviews with multiple former senior developers cited a lack of creative autonomy and slow development progress, progress is the reason for their departures and described the wave of exits as its fast and furious, with project momentum said to be heavily affected. The initiative's management told VGC it's confident in the team it has in place and new talent joining and pointed to industry-wide staffing challenges during the COVID-19 pandemic. It's no small task to build a studio and reinvent a beloved franchise. Studio head Daryl Gallagher told VGC in creating... The initiative we set out to leverage co-development partnerships to achieve our ambitions and we're really excited about all the progress we're seeing with our relationship relationship with crystal dynamics in this journey it's not uncommon for there to be staffing changes especially during a time of global upheaval over the last two years and there's plenty more work in front of us to deliver a fantastic perfect dark experience to our players we wish all of our former colleagues the very best and i'm confident in the team we have in place the new talent joining and we can't wait to share more with the fans in the game industry competition for experienced talent is at an all-time high following a pandemic fueled gaming boom and unhappy initiative staff would likely have had plenty of alternative employment opportunities at the large number of neighboring AAA studios in california if you're in california uh silicon valley or even san francisco you could throw a rock and hit a gaming studio that's how fucking close they are and even if you're in austin texas um, there's quite a few studios there, EA and some other places. Um, so 
it's not like they're going to be hurting for jobs. This one's very, very strange. Article goes on to say, across the industry, many studios are currently facing a talent crisis with the sheer level of expansion and investment in the sector, making it challenging for even the biggest studios to retain and attract senior staff. The former initiative developers, VGC, spoke to attribute the wave of depart uh, departures to frustration among senior talent over the direction of the project set down by Gallagher and the game director, Daniel Neuberger, who himself left the company last month. Although the initiative's website claims the company promotes a collaborative, creative environment, former employees describe the studio's development hierarchy as very top-down with Gallagher and Neuberger keeping a strong grasp on creative decisions. According to former employees, many senior team members were frustrated by this perceived lack of autonomy and didn't feel heard on key issues such as development priorities, project planning, and team staffing. Gallagher and Neuberger, who were previously studio head and game director at Crystal Dynamics, wanted to make games the way they had always with top-down direction, the sources said, while many initiative employees were expecting a more bottom-up approach. As a result, it's claimed that development has progressed painfully slowly and a solid company culture never formed. All former employees VGC spoke to said they were surprised at how lenient Microsoft had been over the lack of progress. Well, Microsoft has a ton of other studios now. Along with the Bethesda acquisition alone, that gave them a lot more talent. Now, it's, I think, June of next year before the Activision Blizzard deal closes. But if that deal closes, then they're going to have a lot of talent. The initiative was supposed to be, I don't know, their naughty dog, we'll say, right? And now they, they're not looking that way. Um, one person said, making games is hard enough, let alone when you feel like you can't get through to the people making the decisions that affect everyone. The culture issue was partly behind the decision to bring on to bring on board Crystal Dynamics. It's claimed with Gallagher and Newberger allegedly allegedly hoping that production would move more sm smoothly with the introduction of a second team familiar with their methods. I cannot talk today, guys. I'm so so sorry. Crystal Dynamics introduction is also now likely to plug the gaps left by the initiative staff turnover. VGC was told VGC sources agree that they would be surprised if Crystal Dynamics introduction combined with the significant departures of core staff hadn't triggered an effective soft reboot of The Perfect Dark, and that it was still likely years away from release. Again, there's no way we're seeing this game at E3 this year. It's understood that Xbox leadership teams are prepared to be patient with their new first-party teams, which includes those currently working on Playgrounds, Fable, and Rares Everwild, as they prioritize assembling groups capable of regularly producing the kind of critically acclaimed prestige projects that come from PlayStation Studios, like Naughty Dog and Insomniac. Um... Wow, the amount of talent gone. Oh my God. There's so much, I'm not going to read it off. What I'll do is post the link to this article, and if you scroll all the way down, you're going to see all the talent that's departed. It's insane. Wow. One, two, three, four. Actually, I'm sorry. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36 people have left this studio. This is insane. This is absolutely insane. Um, excuse me, I had to take a drink of water there. You may see a cinematic trailer. At E3, there's no way you're going to see gameplay. Um, obviously, we're further away from this game being released. Um, this this is insane. I, I cannot believe. But again, 
everybody's like, well, Microsoft is being lenient. They're great to work with. That's because they're not relying on Perfect Dark to kick the doors down because they have, um, I think they'd acquired like 13 studios and then the uh, Bethesda acquisition. And then obviously, like I said, it's going to take till it'll be June of next year before the Activision Blizzard deal closes. Hopefully, it'd be interesting to see if it closes before E3 and then they'll take have some part of their E3 situation. I don't know. This is insane, though. This is absolutely insane. Um, boy, I, I I don't know. This is this is really really shitty. Um, I really like some things that Microsoft does. I was hoping the initiative was going to be one of those, you know. I, I guess Microsoft's answer to Naughty Dog or Insomniac or something like that or Sucker Punch at this point. Sony's got some real heavy hitters over there, and the proof is the games that they've put out. Even Gorilla and people talk about the Metacritic score for Horizon Forbidden West, like, don't fall into that bullshit. They talk about the Metacritic score for Gran Turismo 7. Don't fall into that bullshit. Sony still puts out great fucking games. Microsoft has the ability to put out great games, um, but the, the, the good thing, I guess, that you can say about this is with the acquisition and the fact that Bethesda um, and ZeniMax have many studios under their umbrella, which are now Microsoft Studios as well. They will have content to come out. Starfield's going to be the big one for the end of the year, um, but they're going to have content. So it's not like they're just sitting around waiting on games. They will have stuff that'll come out exclusive to their ecosystem. But a lot of people were planning on seeing this game. I was in a um, Twitter space listening to people talk about this when this news broke. A lot of people said this is the problem with Microsoft wanting to acquire studios instead of building studios um, from the bottom up. They're saying that when they tried, you get a result of this. Now, this is nobody's fault. Well, it's got to add, <laughs> I guess it's somebody's fault. Let me not say that. I guess it's somebody's fault to a certain extent. But, again, they're in the position where they can take, uh, they can take pause and they can, they can play the waiting game because they have acquired so much talent to round out uh, their roster. Um... There's some very talented people on the list, though, that I just, you know, that article I just read, and they're going to find their way somewhere. Not sure exactly where, but some people went back to uh, um, Insomniac, I think it was, or I believe it was Insomniac, so we know that Spider-Man 2 is coming, we know that Wolverine is coming, so I don't know, and a lot of people are like, well, there's nothing exactly for the PlayStation 5, because everything you can play on the PS4. Well, Spider-Man 2 and Wolverine are going to be PS5 exclusive. Those will not be on the PS4. God of War will be available on the PS4, but Spider-Man and Wolverine will be PS5 exclusives. Um, so, I don't know, we'll see. Next two stories are about Grand Theft Auto 5, it, and uh, I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into them. These come... Uh, the first one comes from IGN.com. Grand Theft Auto V loads over twice as fast on PS5 than PS4. Well, that's expected because of the SSC, uh, SSD. Uh, one of the key features of new-gen consoles like PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X is the faster loading times, and this key benefit is coming to Grand Theft Auto V and it's released on the newest systems. According to tests we ran here at IGN, Grand Theft Auto V loads lightning fast on the PlayStation 5, especially compared to the PlayStation 4 version. Replay missions take around 5 seconds to load, nearly 75% faster than on the PS4. I will tell you that when you load up GTA 5 on a PS3 or a PS4, um, and then you go to, well, the PS4, because I haven't touched the PS3 in God knows how long, because I sold mine, like, right when the PS4 came out. Um, but I remember loading up on the PS4 when it came out a year later, and I was like, God damn, why is it taking, like, you wait all the time for the game to fucking install, 
and then you go to load it, it's like, fuck, you can go make a sandwich and do other shit while the game is loading. You can't do that on the PlayStation 5. Like, it's not, like, it's not lightning fast like you press a button and it automatically loads, but it is way fucking faster. Uh, the article goes on to say, particularly striking is how fast autosaves load on the PS5 versus the PS4. On Sony's newest console, GTA 5 loads save files at around 20 seconds while it takes over two minutes to load the same file on the PS4. Um, alongside faster loading times, GTA 5 comes with enhanced visual settings for PS5 and Xbox Series X that include 4K with ray tracing at 30 frames per second or performance, uh, performance mode that targets upscaled 4K at 60 frames per second. On the G PS5, uh, GTA 5 will include dual sense haptics and other adaptive triggers, feedback, as well as the high-end PC visuals on consoles, including increased population and traffic variety, increased vegetation, vegetation density, improved lighting quality across shadows, water reflections, and other elements. GTA 5 is currently available for PS5, but will cost $99 for the first uh, for PS5 for the first three months before increasing to $39.99 for Xbox Series X and S. The price will start at $19.99. For the first three months before also increasing to $39.99. Sony and Rockstar obviously have this relationship. Um, all the marketing for Red Dead Redemption was like that Rockstar did outside of that was all done via the PlayStation YouTube channel and stuff like that. So, And typically when you see a GTA 5 um, video uh, ad or something like that when you're watching YouTube for GTA 5 online content it's usually with PlayStation marketing behind it so clearly that's the reason for the price. Uh, Grand Theft Auto 5 is one of the most popular games of the generation will be hitting the stores again almost after 10 years but don't worry Rockstar did officially confirm it's working on Grand Theft Auto 6 though don't expect any more details on that for a while which obviously we've talked about in this episode already. Uh, now as far as loading on the new gen consoles let's see WCCF Tech says GTA 5 runs notably better on the PS5 than the Xbox Series X performance rough on the Series S. And I told you guys, like, here's the thing. I have a Series S, I have a Series X. Um, my kid is playing the Series S, truthfully, because she doesn't care about visuals and stuff like that. She just wants to play Fortnite with her cousins and her friends, play The Sims, and stuff like that. So she's not looking for that. Um... I don't know. I'm playing on my PS5 because it just... With me, Rockstar games, I've always played since the first... Since GTA 3, Vice City, all those games, I played on my PlayStation 2. So, I always... It's just this thing where I play them on PlayStation console. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say I don't have Rockstar games on my Xbox consoles. I had GTA 4 on the PlayStation 3, and then... Um, I forget what happened to it. I think I may have lost the game or something. I don't fucking know. And then I saw it for sale on the Xbox 360 store. Um, so, Or actually on the, the Microsoft, the Xbox store, Microsoft store, whatever it is. Actually, when I had my Xbox One, I was like, oh, cool. So I bought it there. Um, I have Red Dead Redemption on my PS4. Uh, I also have it on my Xbox One X. So, like, I do play games, Rockstar games on the Xbox as well, but... More notably, I'm going to play them on the PlayStation. It's just a preference thing. It just it just feels right. I play Madden 2K sports games on my Xbox, stuff like that. Multiplats, sometimes on the Xbox. Uh, most PlayStation first-party stuff and just games I'm used to playing on a PlayStation console. All right? So, anyway, Grand Theft Auto V is officially available on current next-gen consoles now. And while these new versions of the game deliver impressive visual fidelity is good or better than Ultra PC settings... 
how do they perform? The folks at YouTube channel L Analyst, the bits have taken all the new versions of GTA 5 for a spin and the results aren't what they could, should be, particularly if you're playing on an Xbox Series X or S. Um, you, I will post a link to their video. The PS5 and Xbox Series X and F, um, sorry, sorry, Series X offer identical visual modes. Fidelity gives you the native 4K ray tracing and 30 uh, frames per second. Performance offers native 1440p at 16 uh, frames per 60 frames per second. I'm sorry, and ray tracing performance offers dynamic 1440p ray tracing and 60 frames per second. Based on the analysis above, it seems PS5 holds pretty much rock solid in all modes, with only small one or two frame dips in performance mode when things get crazy. Meanwhile, the Xbox Series X really seems to struggle in ray tracing performance mode, dropping all the way down to 30 to the 30 to 40 frames per second range, and performance mode dips to the low 50s. Things are even worse than the Xbox Series S, which offers only two modes, Fidelity 1440 at 30 frames per second, and Performance 1080 at 60 frames per second. Fidelity mode does not consistently hold 30 frames, dropping into the mid-20s, and Performance seems to hover pretty consistently in the 40 frames per uh, second range once things heat up. Uh, so yeah, not exactly ideal for a nearly decade-old game. I told you, this wasn't going to work out that great. I just want to say that. No, it doesn't matter which console, in my opinion. And Rockstar, does, stop putting money into GTA Online. Because we'd have GTA 6 by now if, like, just saying. Well, maybe we wouldn't, but we'd be a lot closer, I think. In addition to better performance, the PS5 also offers uh, other benefits, including dual sense support and what appears to be significantly, significantly better load times for now. It definitely seems to be the platform of choice. Again, GTA 5 is available now on PC, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and S, PS4, and PS5. Uh, you get information on transferring your save to new versions of the game, which isn't necessarily a simple process you might think right here. There's a link to that, and I'll post that in the episode details. Um, one of the last big stories I'll get into before I go into the Hogwarts Legacy stuff. Halo series premiere, contact review. Um, this comes from IGN.com. This is a spoiler-free advanced review of the first episode of Halo, which premieres on Paramount Plus on Thursday, March 24th. So that's coming up. Um, next week. And if you're listening to this on the All Our Nonsense Podcast Network or YouTube, that will be later this week. Halo is far from the only video game adaptation to linger in development hell for years, but it may just be the most high, most high profile one. If you remember, they talked about a Halo series, I think it was E3 2013. Yeah, because it was the whole Xbox One TV debacle. Both Peter Jackson and uh, Neil Blomkamp were attached to direct back when the project was still a feature film, and even now the series counts Steven Spielberg as one of its executive producers. The series has been a long, long time coming, but the good news is that it doesn't disappoint. Just don't come in expecting a one-to-one -one adaptation of the games. Paramount's Halo series marks an interesting departure for the franchise up until now. All the Halo media, the games, novels, comics, previous live-action web series has taken place within the same community. Halo has always taken the Star Wars approach of emphasizing a unified unified cross-media shared universe. However, this live-action series breaks tradition by establishing its own continue, con establishing its own continuity separate from that of the games and their various tie-ins. Even after one episode, it's clear that that approach was the right call. Again, sorry for my mishaps. I don't know what it is today. That isn't to say that the series sets out to dramatically reinvent every facet of the Halo mythos. Uh, the show opens in a period prior to the events of Halo Reach. At this early stage, the United Nations Space Command is only dimly aware of the threat posed by the fanatical theocratic space empire known as the Covenant, and thus uh, this future uh, futuristic military is ma mainly tasked with quelling various 
rebel uprisings throughout the galaxy. Presumably, we'll see the infamous fall of Reach and the events of the original Halo trilogy adapted over the course of the series, though at this point there's no telling just how far the show might veer off the established path. Most of the characters in the premiere will be immediately familiar to fans of the games. Pablo Schreiber, The Wire, stars as the iconic Spartan warrior John 117, a.k.a. Master Chief, and he's flanked by Bakeem Woodbine, Soren 066, and Kate Kennedy's Kai 125. The pilot introduces a number of the familiar UNSC faces like Dr. Captain Halsey, uh, Captain Jacob Keyes, Miranda Keyes, and Admiral Margaret Perengoski. However, it's the new characters introduced here, including insurrectionist Quad... Quan Habu and the mysterious Maki that hint that deeper changes uh, hint at the deeper changes to a familiar story. Um, McKee is listed as Charlie Murphy. Um, I know that A. Murphy's brother, Charlie Murphy, beloved um, in the community of comedy and things like that, passed away a couple years ago. I don't know if this is supposed to be him if he like did audio before he passed or what this is. I don't know, uh, but I'll check more into that. If anything, the plot is it is at its weakest early on when it most tries to echo the look and feel of the games. The episode opens with a firefight aimed at conveying the strength of the Covenant elites and their hated rivals, Spartans. The sequence ticks a lot of boxes in terms of video game accuracy, featuring a manner I'm sorry, featuring all manner of iconic weapons and even a liberal use of first-person shots. But, but uh, despite that, the show doesn't really capture the scale and intensity of a good Halo multiplayer match, which I've never played. Covenant characters and tech suffer from a lackluster CGI, making them stand out awkwardly from the environment. Even the Spartans appear to be weirdly floating and unreal when bringing their superhuman strength to bear. All this raises, raises some major concerns about how the series will cope as the action scenes grow larger and more dramatic in scope. Judging from the icy fan reaction to the show's redesigned Cortana, the special effects may be a persistent thorn in its side for the foreseeable future. Again, I never really was into Halo. I kind of tapped into it a little bit at the end of the Xbox One generation. I played a little bit of Halo Infinite. It was cool. It just wasn't anything that kept my attention. I actually probably, I want to say like a few days ago, just removed it from my Series X hard drive. So I don't know. Uh, but I do know a lot of people had issues with uh, the way Cortana looked. Um, the verdict... Per IGN, given how integral the massive battles between humanity and the Covenant are to the appeal of the Halo franchise, the lackluster action in the Halo premiere is cause for concern. However, the series gets enough else right in its first outing to make up for that shortcoming. As much as the premiere focuses on capturing the iconic weapons and technology from the games, it also shows a willingness to move its story in dramatically different directions. This is hardly a one-to-one -one adaptation of the games, and that's really the show's biggest selling point right now. Um, so you can go to IGN and read that article if you like. Um, I'm going to watch the show because it can't be ruined for me because, again, I have only barely dipped my toes into the Halo gaming universe. So nothing can be really, really ruined for me. It's nothing that's going to disappoint me. And I'm completely fine with that. My last story for the week, uh, obviously there was the state of play on Thursday for Hogwarts Legacy. I was actually planning on recording um, the episode after that state of play ended. However, I ended up going to the Blues game. Unfortunately, my Blues fell in the shootout 3-2 um, to two to the Pittsburgh Penguins. It was cool to be able to be there at Enterprise Center and uh, obviously root for my Blues, but see guys like Sidney Crosby, uh, Guinea Malkin, and stuff like that. Again, like I said, I'm a big hockey fan. I followed Sid and, and Gino's whole career, so it was cool to be able to see them in person. And the seats were absolutely incredible. Shout out to my boy Ant for that. Had a great fucking time. Um... 
so the Hogwarts Legacy State of Play. Um, the game looks good. I'm going to say that, number one. I think it's kind of weird that you start off as a fifth year. I don't know. Like, like imagine going back to Harry Potter and he comes in as a fifth year. Where, you know, Draco, Ron, Hermione, um, Neville, all of them have been there for uh, four years together already. Think about that. If Harry Potter came in as a fifth year, Ron and Hermione, they don't have a relationship because... They didn't get along at the beginning. Harry's the only reason that they're even friends, and then they end up together and married. And it's really interesting. J.K. Rowling came out and said this week that Hermione should have ended up with Harry. Well, it's like, sis, you wrote the book, so if you wanted that to happen, you could have done that, clearly. Um, but the game looks good. It looks really cool. Um, we got to see the common rooms of all of the houses. The Gryffindor common room looks really cool. The Slytherin common room looks really fucking cool. When I play the game, I'm definitely hoping that I get chosen in the Gryffindor because, well, it's fucking Gryffindor. Why the fuck not? Like, I don't know. I have the Elder Wand. I literally have a one-to-one -one replica of the Elder Wand. It's fucking sick. Um, it seems like there's a focus on herbology and stuff like that, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, flying around Hogwarts and surrounding areas on a broom, it looks really, really good. Uh, there's the house elves. Um... Dobby's obviously not in the game. This takes place, I think, 100 years before Harry and, and his friends and stuff like that. So, But there is a house elf that I don't think it accompanies you the whole time, but it's there. You get to go in the Forbidden Forest. You get to go to Hogsmeade and stuff like that. Um, I think it's really cool. The Black Lake is there. Um, the Scottish Highlands are there. This is really, really interesting. Um, I am 100% in on this game. I'm 100% in on this game. Um, you get to define your combat style and stuff like that. Your studies at Hogwarts will help you overcome the mysteries and dangers that lurk beyond and even within the walls of the castle. As you learn from your professors and classmates, you'll gain new spells and abilities to use in combat and puzzles throughout Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, so this is really fucking cool. Um, you get to do battle with your wand. You can use <laughs> you can use forbidden spells. You get to use the Vada Caverta. Everybody was like, I don't know if they're going to let us do that, but it seems that they absolutely are. And everybody, like, watching this, like, everybody, I'm watching on one screen, I have the video playing, and the other screen, I have TweetDeck, and I'm watching tweets come in live, and everybody's like, what? We get to use Forbidden Spells? And for me, I was like, holy shit, they're really going there. Um, it is a single-player action RPG. Um, the presentation showed off the room requirement, Taming Magical Beast, customizable gear you can loot and earn throughout the world. Um... There will be NPC companions on your adventure, but it, again, it is an open-world action RPG single-player, so it's not something that you'll be playing with other friends and stuff like that. I don't think there's going to be a multiplayer component. Great news is we're getting this holiday 2022. We're getting, that, uh, getting this this year. I'm going to be playing on the PlayStation, of course. Um, yeah, I'm really fucking stoked for this game. I fucking love Harry Potter. I've gotten so many people into the franchise, and they love it and stuff like that. So we're all talking about this. We all can't wait to play this game. I'm stoked. It looks really, really fucking good. Um, Port Key Games, great job. WB Games, great job. Um, some people were there. Now, they're, of course, there's speculation because they introduced all this stuff on a state of play. A lot of people were like, okay, is Sony buying WB Games? I don't think that they're for sale anymore. I, I, I don't think they're going to be put up for sale anymore or anything like that. Um, I just think that Sony has marketing rights. They probably paid a bit for this. 
Uh, it's not like this is going to be exclusive to PlayStation. It's not even a timed exclusive. The game will be on Xbox One, Xbox Series S and X, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, and PC, as far as I know. Um, and PC is the one outlier. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure it is going to be on PC. But no, this is not exclusive to the PlayStation ecosystem just because it was state of play. That just means Sony paid a little bit of money. Well, little in terms of probably in the hundreds of thousands of millions or something like that. I don't know, but... Sony paid for the marketing rights to this video game. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, will it make more people play it on the PlayStation 5? Well, I don't know if that actually ever works. Um, I know a lot of people bought Elden Ring and were playing it on the PlayStation 5 more. And then probably about the last week, we've heard that it sold more the last month on Xbox and PC. So I don't know. That stuff is really up in the air. I don't know who's telling the truth and who's lying on that stuff. And I don't dig into those whole console wars stuff on, on Twitter or anything like that anymore. I don't, I'll jump in a Twitter uh, space and listen to you guys talk, but I'm not going to get into that and say, fuck Microsoft, fuck Sony, fuck Nintendo. I'm not doing that stuff. That's ridiculous. There's a reason to own all platforms. There really are, because there are exclusive games. There's a reason to own Xbox now if you want to play Starfield. Um, if you want to play Gran Turismo, obviously you got to do that on the PlayStation. You want to play Uncharted, obviously you got to do that on the PlayStation. God of War, PlayStation. Now it's on PC. Uncharted Legacy of Thieves is coming to PC sometime, but we don't know. It's supposedly sometime this year, but, you know, a Mario or Zelda, you have to have a Nintendo console to play those. So there's a reason to own each of these systems, and if you want to own a PC, that as well. Um, I don't know what's going on with my PC. I got to figure it out and, and jump back into that. But, um, yeah, there's reasons for all this stuff. But, um... You know, guys, I just, I, the, the whole console war thing, like, we're, like, most, and the most of the people, it's like, it's not like I see little kids on Twitter doing this. These are adults, people that are my age or a little younger or a little older, and I'm just like, why? What is the fucking point? That's, I don't know. That's all I got to say, though, but I'm looking really, really forward to Hogwarts Legacy, and I hope you guys are as well. Uh, I apologize that I was so tongue-tied this episode. I don't know what the deal was with that, but uh, I, it'll get better. <laughs> this, this, but if you would listen to me, this for some reason happens every so often. Um, but I don't know. I don't. I'm just tongue-tied this morning while recording this. I had to rush recording because I didn't get it done at the time I wanted to, and I passed out last night. Sorry about that. So, as always, tell your friends. Patreon.com/slash the Derek Lamont Experience. Also tap into the All Our Nonsense uh, Podcast Network and Grapple Rap is available now as well. So I want to thank you guys who've been into that and all the people showing love on the Retro Boys, um, Retro Boys Instagram page, liking all the stuff, stuff like that. Seems like people are kind of tapping into the Grapple Rap thing, so I'm thankful for that. Thankful to all new fans and friends and family. Um, as always, my name is Derek. Believe in yourself first and foremost, because if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will. That's my time for the day. I gotta go. Peace out. <laughs>